Okay, oh, that's nice and loud, isn't it? Good. I was a bit worried about the other microphone being too quiet and people falling asleep at the back, so this one's nice and loud. Um, offerings just finished going around, so we're going to get straight on. Um, as Angela's already said, we're starting a new series today, a series on Jonah. So uh, we, summer Sundays have a slightly different place in our hearts at City Hope. So we always refer to these four Sundays that are in the school holidays as summer Sundays. The fifth one, of course, the bank holiday will be in the park. But for four Sundays starting today, things were a little bit different. Things were a bit more relaxed. This morning they were almost too relaxed and the PA didn't work till about 10.30. Um, but we're starting a new series and so through the summer the youth will be staying in, any youth who are here. Uh, and joining in with us as well. So my name's Rebecca, I'm part of the staff at City Hope, part of the preaching team, and I get to introduce you today to the book of Jonah, which is in the Old Testament of the Bible. And I just thought, actually, before we um, crack on, I'll just give you a little bit of insight into um, what it's like preparing a sermon. So for those of us on the team, and there are a number of us on the preaching team at City Hope who are lay preachers, that means it's not part of our job, it is our joy, but it's not our job. And so we prepare as and when we can, you know, any time we can find in our own time to preach. And one evening I was reading Jonah in preparation some weeks ago now, uh, just at the beginning of my thought processes for today. <coughs> and I got a WhatsApp message from Chris, Chris Nicholson. Some of you will know Chris. He's actually gone off to New Day today with a van full of stuff. And he started a WhatsApp group uh, for the Rotherhithe site team leaders. So there's a team of leaders in the Rotherhithe area. And Chris started this group and he said, I thought it would be good to create a group to fire off inspirational, encouraging and helpful thoughts about Rotherhithe. Good start, right? So people are like, great, great, Chris, well done. First question, what's the picture about? So the picture associated to the group is about to come on the screen. And it's this, it's a guy holding a fish. So somebody said, well, what's that all about? And Chris just said, well, a guy at Greenland Dock caught it and he didn't have his phone with him, so he asked me to take a picture. So that's why there's a fish. It's a rather high link, you get it? So the first response to that was from John Greenway. Here's an inspirational thought. Carpe diem, seize the carp. <laughs> to which Tim Taylor replied, not sure about that one, John. I will have to mull it over. <laughs> Chris replies, I see we all breaming with puns today. My response, I thought this group was for inspiration. Stop squidding around. Chris says, no need to be so crabby. <laughs> it would be brilliant if we could stop all this. Tim agrees. Agree, this is not the place for such things. Tom still weighed in. I see what's going on here, but what's the catch? Chris says, these jokes are krilling me. Yeah. This went on for hours, I kid you not. <laughs> the slightly more tenuous one from Chris, our leader. I know I'm supposed to love God with all my heart, mind, and strength, but what else should I love him with? Leave that one hanging for some of you. There are many more. I can't read them all. These puns are off the scale, says Tim. Uh, some very funny things there. Uh, Chris says, I can't help myself. Uh, there's a, Tim's hooked. I know I'm hooked. I commented, we certainly don't shrimp back from this challenge. Tim Taylor, I have really enjoyed herring all these puns. I hate to say it, but I'm now floundering to think of any more. <laughs> this gets really bad. This is me, I admit it. Where's Greenway? Calls himself an eelder. <laughs> he started all this. Good job we're all prawn again, or we might be feeling unsure of ourselves. Tim apologised for hogging the whole thread and said he's feeling a bit shellfish. 
I said, the others seem to have clammed up, but I keep muscling in. And so it went on. About what time? I don't know. Chris then raided in and said, look, guys, it's getting late. I think we should start reeling it in. Greenway tried to put an end to it with this. I floated an idea and you guys really took the bait and were stitched up like a kipper. If John Wood joined in, he would have given us a quote from C.H. Sturgeon. <laughs> uh, it's not too late, says John. Welks, it's good night from me. Enjoy the next few days. P.S. Shall we continue this tomorrow? And I kid you not, through that evening I was trying to read Jonah, which is slightly ironic because what's the one thing you think of when you hear of Jonah? A whale, a fish. A fish, okay. So there you go. Don't really know why I did that, but there was a slight uh, tenuous link. Okay, so Jonah, I'm going to introduce the series and then I'm going to say a little bit about chapter one and then next week we've got chapter two and then three and four we've got Phil Idea Award, Dave Staunton and John Greenway joining in to preach on this book. So it's going to be good times. So Jonah was a real guy. So probably most of you have heard of Jonah because of the whale, which you may think that sounds a bit like a fairy tale. But Jonah was a real guy. He was from Nazareth in Galilee, uh, where Jesus also comes from, or came from. In fact, Jesus compares himself to Jonah. Uh, when you, you can read that in the Gospels, he points to Jonah. And Jonah is thought of as a type of Jesus. That means someone whose ministry pointed in some way to Jesus. So you, I think you might hear more about that next week. So, so in the Old Testament, in the history books, uh, the book of two kings mentions Jonah, and he was a prophet to Israel. So a prophet is someone who God speaks to, uh, to take the message to the people. So God speaks to Jonah, and Jonah brings God's message to God's people. That's what a prophet does. And he's living around the 700s BC, so seven, between seven and 800 years before the birth of Christ. Um, Jonah is a book uh, towards the end of the Old Testament is unusual as a prophetic book because it doesn't do what the other prophet books do, which tend to just bring uh, an account of the message that God gave the prophet and set it out. What Jonah does is it actually tells a story about the prophet, so it's unusual in that. We don't know who wrote it, but uh, because of the knowledge of the details, it seems likely maybe Jonah himself wrote it or somebody quite close to him. Um, I'm going to um, rely on a little bit of video help to tell you what the story of Jonah is really about, because it's not really about a fish. If we can get the uh, PA to work, here we go. Just watch this for a couple of minutes. If you've never seen a singing and dancing asparagus before, your life's about to get better. Okay, so they're the VeggieTales. They've sorted it out for you. It's not about a fish, it's about compassion and mercy. That's the tale of Jonah. I did say to Vic early, you know, we could just watch the whole film and then we wouldn't need to preach for four weeks. <laughs> it will genuinely teach you. Yeah, my kids, my kids are keen on that idea. Uh, the story of Jonah. Okay, so the story of Jonah, as we saw from that brilliant song, is that God says to Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach to them a, a message of judgment and warning. Their sin has come before me and I can't take it any longer. He says, their evil has come up before me, God says. Jonah, however, runs in the opposite direction. That's the story. He gets on a boat and says, no, thank you, Lord, I'm going this way. Uh, God gets his attention with a huge storm and a big fish. 
brings him back in line, says to him again, go to Nineveh. Jonah gets up and goes this time. Most of us learn lessons without the need for fishes, but I know some of us have had some storms. He goes to Nineveh and he preaches the message. You guys, your evil has come up before the Lord and he will judge this city. But Nineveh, repent. They listen, they believe God and they repent. That means they turn from their evil ways and they trust God. And so God spares them. He doesn't judge them. He doesn't carry out his message of judgment. And at the end, you'll find out, actually, Jonah is very annoyed by that. He doesn't think the people of Nineveh deserve God's mercy. And he and God have words at the end of the book. God rebukes him for being so cross, for being so angry. He actually says he's angry enough to die. You can imagine him stamping his feet. God, I'm angry enough to die about this. That's the story. God says, I have mercy and compassion on the people of Nineveh. How dare you resent my mercy toward them? So that's the, that's the whole story. I encourage you to go and read it. It takes about five minutes. It's like a short story. It's even less than a short story. It's like highlights of a short story. It's a really good book. It takes you about five minutes. I would read it all, but I don't have time today. So a couple of things just quickly. Um, a map, just out of interest. Some of you like maps. Um, Sorry, yeah, great, thank you. So can you see that? This is the region we're talking about. It's actually not that great. There's a blue arrow to the right up there. That's where Sharrow and Lex live. Is that right? That look about right? Good, got that right. So that, this is Iraq. That's where Sharrow and Lex are living. The green arrow above it, that's where Nineveh was. That's where Mosul is today in northern Iraq. So that's Nineveh. And down here is Israel. So Jonah's down here, and the red arrow is the direction of travel that Jonah decides to go in. So when God says go here, Jonah goes this way, and he heads to Tarshish, which is a very long way away, probably in Spain, we think. So basically as far as he could get from, from God's mission, if you like. And I think if God tells you to go to Nineveh, if your response is to go to a port, you're not going in the right direction, are you? I don't think you can get there by sea. So, so that's one map. Second map out of interest, because again, uh, maps help just root things in reality. So Google Maps tells me that from Jerusalem, which is not necessarily where he was, but that, that's in Israel, to Mosul is uh, 1,223 kilometers. Google Maps doesn't have a camel setting. So unfortunately, that, that's 17 and a half hours, but that's in a car. So by my reckoning, I thought probably uh, a month of walking eight hours a day. So that just... That, that's just quite surprising, isn't it? When you read God said go to Nineveh, I don't think that's a month of traveling on a camel. But it was. Okay, anyway, back to chapter one. So we're going to read chapter one really quickly. Sorry, Sarah, I've mucked the slide uh, order up. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them, but Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. 
And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots. This is interesting, isn't it? So they're all crying out to their gods of one sort or another. And they say to Jonah, well, you've got a god. Call out to yours. Maybe he will be able to save us. And then in order to decide what's going on, they cast lots. They draw straws or throw dice or whatever. Let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What's your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. That could be questionable, couldn't it, at this point? The God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them. And they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Wow. Pick me up and throw me into the raging stormy sea, the sea that's threatening to break up the ship. Just throw me in. Then it will quiet down for you. For I know it's because of me this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land. But they couldn't, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, this time the real God, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. Lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they've prayed to God and said, well, we'll throw him overboard, but don't blame us. Don't let his blood be on our heads. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Next week we'll hear about what happens in the belly of the fish. But right now in chapter one, we're just going to look at what Jonah's doing. What's Jonah doing in chapter one? Essentially, he is running from God. And the first thing that struck me about that is what a stupid sentence. Jonah is running away from the presence of the Lord. It says that twice, doesn't it? I don't know if you've heard the word omnipresent. It refers to God and it means he is everywhere. He is omnipresent. He's always present and he's, he's everywhere present. But Jonah decides to try and run from God. He runs in the opposite direction. And I've heard people say he ran because he didn't want to go to Nineveh because they were his enemies and he was scared. I don't think that's the case. Partly because he's not scared of being thrown into a stormy sea. So I don't necessarily think he's scared of dying in that sense. But also actually there's a clue later in the book that tells us why he didn't want to go. And he didn't want to go to Nineveh. He runs in the opposite direction, it tells us towards the end of the book. He didn't want to take a message of judgment to Nineveh because he, th he was afraid that God would have mercy on them. He was afraid that his enemies would receive mercy. He doesn't think they should. He doesn't think they deserve it. And so he runs in the opposite direction. I won't be the messenger of that message. Now, first of all, I think I don't see that impulse in myself. I think, well, I want people to receive mercy. I want people to be saved. I want people to know God, don't I? Don't you feel like that? And then I stop and think about <coughs> maybe some people, maybe it's harder you know, somebody's already, uh, Shara referred to ISIS earlier. Um, when you, you know, when we see people taking hostages of innocent people, keeping them for months, their families and friends don't know what's become of them until they see them being beheaded on a video that's posted around the world or, 
or, or maybe it's you know things closer to home, things we read about in our papers of things. Uh, I was just reading the other day again about the guy Mark Bridger who abducted and murdered that little girl in Wales five years ago. And sometimes that impulse in us to see some as more deserving of God's mercy than others, I think that can rise up in us as well. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel that. And you might say, well, what's that got to do with Jonah? And just a bit of context. So Nineveh sounds like a you know, place far away and a long time ago, and it, and it is. But the context is that Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire at the time. And all you need to know about them was they were big and they were mean. Uh, they were the um, dominant empire at the time, and they were known for their merciless treatment of enemies. And they were an enemy of Israel, an enemy of Jonah, and in fact, of course, an enemy of God, hence the message of judgment. Listen to this. I've, I, you can read all sorts of things on history websites. This is from an ancient history website. It's tempting to see the Assyrian Empire, which dominated the Middle East from 900 to 612 BC, so that's our era that we're in in this story, as a historical forebear of Nazi Germany, an aggressive, murderously vindictive regime supported by a magnificent war machine. I, wouldn't, I don't want to go there. <laughs> I don't want to go there. You can also read how one king of Assyria, when he captured cities, he had a liking for burning the children of the, of the enemy's cities. He also used to decapitate soldiers when he caught them, and then he would build a pyramid of the heads of his enemies at the gate of the city. And one uh, account tells of him impaling living soldiers, so captives, on poles, putting them outside the city amongst these pyramids of heads. This is Assyria. This is Nineveh. This is what they were known for. And so, I don't know about you, it's e you can maybe have a little bit of sympathy for Jonah. <laughs> How can God have mercy on these people? It says in chapter 4, when God extends mercy to them, it says this displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still in my country? This is why I made haste to flee. I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Jonah had a sneaking suspicion, and he was right, that God would pronounce judgment, he would warn Nineveh, but then Nineveh turned and repented, and God had mercy, and Jonah found that offensive. Have you, have you noticed how our society now, this culture that we live in today, it doesn't really like the idea of judgment, it doesn't like the idea of judging people, you know, there's this um, almost a God of tolerance, of live and let live. It's almost the ultimate truth. If it doesn't hurt anyone else, you carry on. There's no, we don't like the idea of right and wrong in our culture. We like people to be free, express themselves. That is, of course, until they offend our taboos or the norms that the newspapers and the journalists, the narrative around us tells us is right and wrong. These are gritty issues, aren't they? I was just thinking about this, and I thought, you know, our culture rejects the idea of judgment in many ways until you can read in the Daily Mail about a sex offender moving into a neighbourhood and people getting wind of that and what they do about that, even if that person has paid their due, served their time. And Jonah, the book of Jonah, if you don't know this, I'll tell you a secret 
That's a really great thing to remember. Every single book of the Bible points to Jesus. Every single book of the Bible is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one of the reasons I know that is there's a great little story in the Gospels with the Lord Jesus himself. And he is on the road to Emmaus and he meets two disciples, two guys who are followers of Jesus. And they're discussing what's happened. Jesus has been executed. We're completely confused. We don't know what's going on. We thought he was the Messiah. And now, lo and behold, some people are even saying he's come back from the dead. What is going on? And the resurrected Jesus meets them on the road. And it says in Luke's gospel, you can read it, it says, starting with Moses and the prophets, so that's right from the beginning of the Bible, the ancient Hebrew Bible, he explains to them all the scriptures concerning himself. It's all about Jesus. And you can't read Jonah, I hope, without seeing the gospel of grace. You could say, actually, that Jonah was offended by the gospel. I think many people in our culture are offended by the gospel. Sometimes I think we find it difficult, like Jonah. Jonah was offended by the gospel, you could say. Because Jonah was chosen by God as part of the people of God. He was an Israelite. And more than that, of course, he was chosen by God to be the prophet of God. It's a pretty elevated status, wouldn't you think? He's the prophet. He hears God's voice and he brings the message to the people. But he's no more deserving of mercy, of course, than the Ninevites. And you and I, no more deserving of mercy than anyone else that we might think of. Who are the monsters in your mind? Who are the people you think who are beyond redemption? We're no more deserving. We know this if we know our Bibles. It says, does it not, clearly everyone falls short of God's perfection. God is perfect. God is holy. God is great. And we all, every one of us, can't attain to that perfection, can't know God, can't come before a righteous, holy God as we are. Even of our own merits, even of our own trying, even of our own do-gooding, we can't do it. This is the gospel. We can't do it. We can only do it because of mercy. I was so glad when Dave started the service this morning. I don't know if he did this intentionally or not, but he talked about the only way we can come is because of God's mercy. It's what this is all about. It's what Jonah's all about. As VeggieTales told you, compassion and mercy of God. It's the only way we come to God is because he has shown mercy. And Jonah, as I say, he, we call him a type of Jesus. When Jesus mentions him, he talks about Jonah being in the belly of the whale for three days and the son of man referring to himself being in the earth through three days before he rises from death. And he points towards, the whole story points towards the wonderful redemption of sinners as we were, just like the Ninevites. And sometimes I look at stories like this, and I've done it already today. I've talked about how we might relate to Jonah, how we might be a bit like him. But you do know, don't you, that in this story we're the Ninevites? We're not Jonah, we're the Ninevites Yes, we, we are Jonah in the sense that we're part of God's family and we're called by him. But we are, we represent those who don't deserve mercy. Those who never deserved mercy. Same as everyone out there around us. Same as everyone we meet. God is good and he desires to show mercy. It's one thing that really ticked Jonah off, isn't it? Knowing that God desires to show mercy. 
Just a, a story from the last couple of days. We were just thinking about um, our culture and how it responds to the idea of judgment. And I think it's important for us to get our heads around this. My husband, unfortunately, had to go to a funeral a couple of days ago of a family member. And we were talking about it afterwards, and he was talking about how when you go to a funeral that's not Christian or doesn't have a, fa- a you know, faith behind it, they tend to pick and choose the bits of things that, that help them. So they, they'll have the Lord's Prayer, and they like a little bit of religion. Maybe it kind of makes people feel better. But there's no sense of God having an opinion about your life or, or there being a, a judge on the other side of the grave. Not There wasn't even a committal, if you like, of the body to God. And I think our country, our nation, our culture is really struggles with the idea that there is a God who rightly judges. Who rightly judges. He's the maker. He's the judge. And for us in a culture where that is uncomfortable, I think sometimes we get sucked in to the prevailing wind, the prevailing way of thinking about things. And maybe we feel uncomfortable with the idea that God will judge. But the Bible makes it clear at the final judgment, we'll all be raised to life and we'll all stand before the judge. And the best news of all is that the message of judgment leads to the message of mercy. The mercy of God. Compassion for people. Right at the end of the book of Jonah, I know I'm supposed to be doing chapter one, but you can't really help, you know, referring to the end. Sorry, John Greenway, who's got chapter four. The message at the end, God says to Jonah, how dare you respond like this? Don't you understand? There's 120,000 people in this city they don't know right from wrong. It remind, that reminds me of Jesus talking about the crowd on the hillside. He looked with them on them with compassion. They were like sheep without a shepherd. They don't know what they're doing. And God's heart towards them is compassion. Yes, he sends a message of judgment. Why? So that they can be warned and they can repent and they can experience the mercy and compassion of God. And the gospel of grace As we know, the gospel of God's mercy enables us to walk free of God's judgment, enables us to be free. God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus, to die. And in so doing, he received the judgment. He received the judgment of God. There is judgment for sin, and we get to walk free when we receive him, when we surrender to him. I was glad we sang that song, Surrendered. It's what it's all about, isn't it? It's what it's all about, surrendering to him. Now, the people of Nineveh surrendered to God, so that's a great end to the story, and he spared them. So next week, we're going to find out how in chapter 1, he ran from God. God used some pretty epic things to stop, stop him in his tracks, a big storm and then a big fish. I love that line in the VeggieTales video, got swallowed by a great big whale and managed not to be dead. Great line. God spares him. The fish vomits him up, it says in the Bible. Jonah runs, but he doesn't get far. He certainly doesn't get as far as Tarshish because God has other ideas. God stopped him in his tracks. Jonah will obey. He will take the message. And God's will will be done. And God's will is always to show mercy. We can be confident as the people of God that we do have a God who judges and, and I believe that one of the messages for us today is not to be afraid of that truth because scripture is true, all scripture is true. We need to warn people there is a judge 
And in so doing, we need to tell them that his arms are always open in mercy if we turn to him and if we repent. Just what Jonah did. He, re- he repented in the belly of the whale. He said, I shouldn't have run. Please forgive me my disobedience. And he does God's will. He needs a bit of persuading along the way, as do we sometimes. And next week we'll find out what happens inside the fish. Um, we're going to s- quickly, I think, have we got time for a quick song? Yes, let's sing. We're going to sing Befriended again. Can I ask you, if you, if you go, when you go home, read Jonah and just, just revel in the mercy and compassion of God over your life. We deserve judgment and yet we've received mercy. Amen? Okay, thanks Tim.